0: So Acts chapter 2 and we're taking the theme of Pentecost this morning just for a few moments and then we're going to come and pray together. If you don't have a Bible that's fine then just listen. Acts chapter 2 then. Verse 1 reads like this. When the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole place where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongue's of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation and under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it That each of us hears them in his own native language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, What does this mean? Um, Some however made fun of them and said they've had too much wine And, and then the story goes that Peter stands up addresses them explains that they've not had too much wine it's not that hour in the day that what they're hearing is the power of the Holy Spirit poured out upon the church. And he shares a message about that Jesus Christ is still alive in their hearts and what they were seeing and experiencing was the power of the living God living in the lives of ordinary people, evidenced in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says in that same chapter that 3,000 people became Christians on that day. Just want to take a couple of moments and talk about that just for a moment or two. Pentecost. The day of Pentecost. Pentecost was a feast and it occurred 50 days after Passover. Hence the term Pentecost. It's a Greek translation. It means feast of 50 days. 50 days after the Passover. It was a feast of harvest termed the feast of weeks and it was a feast that came 50 days after Passover and it celebrated the harvest. Passover was that time when the Israelite people were freed from slavery. And from slavery, they entered a new, uh, a new land and a new era. And they celebrated the harvest from that land and that new era at the Feast of Pentecost. Amazingly, amazingly, that on this day, the early church were gathered together. And it was on this 50th day, the 50th day after Passover, the 50th day after Jesus had died and rose again... He is our Passover lamb. This is quite amazing, isn't it? On that 50th day, the the Holy Spirit came and empowered the early church for a harvest, not of just grain from that era, but a harvest for the world. You couldn't... You couldn't um, make this happen. Only God could do this. This day of Pentecost was, a, in the Jewish festival, a, a harvest-type festival, a, a celebration of harvest. And the Holy Spirit coming on that 50th day after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ symbolized a harvest of not of just grain, but a harvest of the world. You and I today are part of that worldwide harvest of people coming back to God a Christian is someone who's put their life in the hands of God, a person that's come back to the heart of God. And so on that day, the celebration was of a harvest for the whole world, which is spectacular and amazing. But what happened in the hearts of those early believers? There were 120 people there, it says, waiting in in a large room or an upper room. What happened to those people that would bring about a transformation or a change in their lives. And you say to me, what are you on about, Adrian? What are you on about transformation or change in their lives? Well, only 50 days. 50 days is not a long time. 50 days. Think of this. We think of this as months or years later. This is only 50 days after Jesus has died and rose again. But if you can take your mind back about 50 odd days further back, those early believers were in disarray. They were a, pe- a group of people in total and utter disarray after the crucifixion. And It said that at the crucifixion, in the run-up to the crucifixion, many of the disciples deserted Jesus. They ran away. They just couldn't cope. Couldn't cope with the might of the Roman Empire. They couldn't cope with the religious police of the day coming to put them all to death. And so they ran away and left Jesus on his own. Only 50 days earlier. It wasn't that long ago, if we go back in time to that moment... They ran away. They deserted Jesus. It, a man called Peter, who, was a, who would end up being an amazing ringleader, he was the man who denied the Lord Jesus Christ. Only 50 days back, he was cursing, saying, I never knew him, and, and blaspheming and cursing as people said, aren't you that guy? Well, aren't you the guy that's with Jesus? 50 days earlier, this man, Peter, was denying Jesus. They were running away. They were in disarray. They were disillusioned. We read an account on the when Jesus appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus it 's at the end of luke 's gospel, and at the end of luke 's letter is Gospel, we find that a couple of disciples it says they were downcast and their faces touched the floor. The word literally means they were depressed. The, those early disciples, some of them were depressed. they said, "Haven't you heard of the terrible news of how Jesus has been put to death? We're doomed." The world is doomed. This is the heart of them. Only 50 days. This isn't that long in your lifetime. 50 days isn't that long. In another account in the Gospels, it says that the disciples went back to their old ways. They went fishing. They were so disillusioned. They thought, what are we going to do? Well, let's go back to what we used to do, what we did best. And we find that Jesus is cooking up a meal and they don't recognize him because they think he's dead and buried. And there he is making a meal and invites them over for a meal. It's in the Gospels. But the disciples went back fishing. Now the picture of this early group of leaders and followers of Jesus was one of a group of people just like, probably like you and me. When the tough, when things get tough and life is difficult, it gets to you and it gets to me because I'm a human being. And this is what the early disciples were like, just like you and me. There was a point in their lives when they became disillusioned. Now, I know that when they saw the risen Lord Jesus, their hearts leapt but when they saw the risen Lord Jesus, he said to them something. He said, get together and wait in Jerusalem for the power of the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. I'm not going to leave you alone. But the Holy Spirit's, the person of the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And we find at the beginning, the Luke uh, wrote the Gospel of Luke. And at the beginning of Acts, Luke is a physician, a clever man who writes Acts. And we find that in Acts chapter 1, Jesus, as, before, as he's about to rise and go back to heaven... The ascension, he says to those disciples, Wait, wait for the power, person of the Holy Spirit. Now, in Acts 2, in Acts chapter 2, bearing in mind, this is 50 days later. 50 days later, Peter stands up and he stands out. And with courage, power, certainty and eloquence, 3,000 people become Christians on that day. This is the man that blasphemed Jesus. This is the man that ran away, just like me probably. I would have probably done the same thing. But this is the man now standing up, standing out and saying, I'll, you know, I'll stand up for your God. I'll say it. I'll say it as it is. It's amazing what we've seen. It's amazing what we are experiencing. God is alive, Jesus Christ is alive. The disciples stood together. It says there, uh, they were all together with one accord, 120 of them. They hadn't all gone out doing this, doing that, everyone doing their own thing, saying, Oh, I told you so. I told you he'd never be a good leader. I told you his teaching would never come to nothing. I told you the Holy Spirit has lifted his hand off of us. I told you. They do, there's all this I told you so stuff. But they weren't like that, were they? They were all together with one, now with one accord And what we now read from this point onwards, there's difficulty, there's trouble for them, there's infightings, there's persecutions. And it's not all rosy ahead, but I tell you what, from now on, the early church spreads like fire. Pardon the pun. The early church spread like fire. It spread so much, so quick, that within something like about 40 or 50 years later, the church was spread all throughout the whole Roman Empire. Spread right the way throughout the whole Roman Empire. But not the greatest of starts 50 days earlier. So what was it that did something that changed all of their lives? A, man called, a, a guy called um, a professor, a professor of theology, F.F. F. Bruce, wrote a, a letter, a commentary on the book of Acts, and he entitled it, The Spreading Flame. And there lies the answer. The early church, something happened. We understand that they caught fire. They caught fire. In Acts chapter 2, we see something that transformed the hearts of those people. They still made mistakes. They still got things wrong. They weren't a perfect people. But something happened in the hearts of those people that transformed them. And it's this. The person and power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. It's as if their hearts caught fire. And it spread throughout the world. They'd met with Jesus. They'd met with the risen Jesus already at the ascension. Jesus spent something like nearly 10 days arisen, walking, talking with them. And then he went to be with the Father. So they, they were... Believers, There were a group of disciples already with the Lord Jesus. They followed his instructions, gathered together as a group of people, an ecclesia, a church, a gathering. They gathered together and that's where they were. The ecclesia, the, the first church, were gathered together, 120 of them roughly, in an upper room, waiting for his instruction. For the power, he says, you will receive power in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, when the Holy Spirit, the person of the Spirit comes upon you. And on the day of Pentecost, the church caught Fire. Today is the day of Pentecost. We celebrate the day that the early church caught fire. A man called Nicky Gumbel, uh, he started something called the Alpha Course, and he, he wrote these words. It helped me if I could find them, wouldn't it? There we go. Always a nightmare when you look for your notes, you think they're not there. I've had it. I once went to speak uh, somewhere And uh, when I went there, I had all my notes ready and everything was prepared. It was all ready. All my notes were there. When I opened my Bible, I was visiting to speak somewhere. They weren't there. Not a stitch. I looked through it again and again and again and again. Absolutely nothing there. I then went absolutely blank thinking I'm doomed. And for a moment I thought, I don't even know my name. (laughs) You know when you get that nervous? And then something kicked in. It's called the power of the Holy Spirit, thank God. And I remembered everything that I'd written down, and I was able to speak without my notes on that day. But I've got them; they're here, so that's okay. Nicky Gumbel says this. <laughs> so I don't need the Holy Spirit. So there they go. So Nicky Gumbel says this. A great man. He wrote a, a great little book called Questions of Life, and he's attributed with the. Uh, Tens, if not millions of people going through the Alpha course in our country and throughout the world. He wrote this Ignite the fire. He said, We have an old gas boiler in our house. The pilot light is on all the time, but the boiler is not always giving out heat and power. Some, said, and speaking of Christians and people, he said, Some have only got the pilot light of the Holy Spirit on in their lives. They're Christians. We love God, we're believers. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We're not second class. We're still a believer. But the pilot light's on. Whereas when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, they begin to fire on all cylinders. In brackets, he says, if you will forgive me, mix in the metaphors. When you look at them, you can almost see and feel the difference in the early church. Firing on all cylinders. The pilot light ignites. And it's that that the the early church had. On the day of Pentecost, they were believers. The Holy Spirit, the pilot light of the Spirit was in their lives. You can't be a Christian without being drawn by the Holy Spirit. But when they were filled with the Spirit, as if the pilot light and they were ignited, they were aflame. And so Peter stands up with a sense of energy and authority and power. It didn't make them perfect. It didn't make them super Christians. But what it did was it gave them a sense of new hope, confidence, and an amazing power released, a supernatural power released in, in their hearts and in their very lives. <clears throat> you know, we have 2,000 years of uh, history, church history to this day. As we sit, you sit, I sit, we sit here today. <clears throat> we, we now sit with 2,000 years of church history uh, behind us, above us, over us, teaching us um, <clears throat> experience. Much of it good, some of it not so good. Um, we have 2,000 years of religious tradition denominational background. You know, lots of it good, but some of it just not so good. And here we sit today with all of this uh, good and the stuff that stick to us that isn't quite so good. And perhaps we've settled uh, with a level of faith that isn't what God has fully intended. If we take all that into consideration, the dust can settle. <clears throat> um, It can be compacted, as it were. It settles upon us. Uh, Sediment settles. That's how we have rocks. It's earth and sediment that settled and over a length of time and a long time has compacted together and become like rock. And with all that history and tradition, some of it good. Denominational backgrounds, and we come, probably all of us here, from different backgrounds and different church streams, perhaps. Some of it good. But much of that over 2,000 years sits upon us. And there is a danger that we can settle, become like sediment that can be solidified if we don't watch it. In a certain sense of religious and spiritual understanding, and we settle for something. I suggest perhaps we can settle for something and not realise that this is not what God he, God he, that this is not what God fully intended. A man called Watchman Nee, a great Christian writer, a Chinese Christian writer, evangelical, said this. He put it brilliantly. He says, By the time the average Christian gets his temperature up to normal, everybody thinks he's got a fever. If we don't watch it. He was an evangelical writer. Not necessarily Pentecostal charismatic, but he was a great godly man with great spiritual insight. Watchman knee. By the time... The average Christian gets his temperature up to normal. Everybody thinks he's got a fever. A man called Leonard Ravenhill, he wrote an amazing book called Why Revival Tarries. He shoots from the hip. So I suggest if you ever read anything that he's written, get ready to be stirred, as it were, because he's quite a stirring writer. He said it like this. He says, the church has been subnormal for so long that when it finally becomes normal, everybody thinks it's abnormal. The church has been subnormal, he suggests, for so long. We've settled, become like sediment perhaps, with all of that history, that when we finally become normal, begin to accept and settle for what God has today, what the Holy Spirit wants to say now, this is what he's getting at. Everybody thinks then, that's abnormal, that's not right, that can't happen, that shouldn't happen, that cannot be. But on the day of Pentecost... All of that history, religious history, that was on the Jewish believers of that day, was set on fire. Their hearts were set on fire, weren't they? You know, in the life of um, Jesus, if you're acquainted with the writings of a man called Luke, in Luke chapter 3 and 4... If we see in the life of Jesus, if you look at, we haven't got time to turn to it, but if you write a note, make a note of this. In Luke chapter 3 and 4, Luke chapter 3, we read of Jesus' baptism. And in Luke chapter 4, how he's then led into the wilderness. It's in the Bible. It talks about how Jesus is baptized. God says, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. It says the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. Okay? It's in Luke chapter 3. Then in Luke chapter 4, it says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the desert. Then at the end of chapter 4, it says Jesus came back in the power of the Spirit. Isn't it interesting? In the life of the living Son of God, it was, he was the Holy Spirit came upon him and he goes away and comes back in the power of the Spirit. And it was then that he starts his public ministry of healing the sick. Sharing words that are amazing. What people said, this is so incredible teaching. It's amazing. that I suggest to you, it's the person and power of the Holy Spirit. If it's good enough for Jesus, then that's good enough for me today. But if you look at the life of Peter, who we just touched upon. Peter is the man in Acts chapter 2 who stands up. The man who denied Jesus, blasphemed, ran away. Just like me, probably felt that in his heart, like he wanted to give up. We find now in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes upon him, just like Jesus in Luke chapter 3 and 4, amazing that Luke wrote the book of Acts as well, we now find Peter comes with power and courage and stands up and speaks with such eloquence and power. Peter's a Galilean. That might be lost on you, but a Galilean was classed as a simple or poor person. Someone of, of low upbringing, of, of, of not I wouldn't say limited intelligence, but put it this way. Probably didn't even have a, a school education, let alone go maybe get a university education. That's why when they said, oh, are these not Galileans? They were saying derogatory things about them, saying there was... They're not clever. They're not eloquent. They're not. And here we have this man with power standing up, standing out with courage, who'd run away earlier. Now, it's, I suggest to you, it's the person and power of the person of the Holy Spirit in and through His life. The same for Jesus. Same for Peter. Now we see. In a moment, we're just going to come to the text, and then we're going to come and close and pray. Now we see that um, there is a promise. Just turn with me. We're going to look at Luke and Acts. So we see, in, we see the sort of set the background then, so as it were. We see in the life of Jesus and the life of Peter the difference that the person of the Holy Spirit makes. Now let's look at the promise and let's look at the purpose. The promise of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 3, I'm just going to read these. Uh, you, if you don't want to turn to it, then don't, don't worry about it. I'm just going to, if you can, then it's great. But uh, we're going to move swiftly as we can. I want to leave some time to pray. So there's a promise. Uh, and John the Baptist shares this and says this in Luke chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. So the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. And John answered them, I baptise you with water, but there is one more powerful than I who will come. The thongs of whose sandals I am were not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There is one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will baptise with the Holy Spirit and fire. Then Luke chapter 1 verse 8 So John says, there's one. He's pointing to Jesus, will be the one. There's someone greater than me, says John. He's going to come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, that's Luke writing, and that's John speaking. Now come to Acts. This is Luke writing again. So this is a seamless account, Luke and Acts, as one book, really. You could say almost one account. And then in chapter 1, verse 8, we hear the risen Jesus, as he's ascending to go back to heaven and go up to heaven, be with his father he says this verse 7 of chapter 1 Jesus said to them it is not for you to know the times dates of the Father's set for his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and the ends of the earth John the Baptist said Pointed to Jesus as being the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit in fire. Now this is Jesus rising, the risen, going to be with the Father. Saying now, the fire is coming. The fire, the presence, the power, the presence of God, the empowering of God is coming upon you. That's the promise. The promise is for all. The promise for every believer, every Christian. The purpose, we see the purpose there with the promise that Jesus shares. He says you will receive power. To what? Be my witnesses. Do you see that? So in the promise, there lies also the purpose. It's not to have a conference... Not to have another glory revival, although it's good to have a glory revival. And it's good to have a conference. I'm all for conferences. But isn't it amazing what Jesus says there? I love a good conference. Let me tell you that now. I want to be part of a great revival. Let me tell you that now. But look what he says there. The purpose of the promise of the power of the Holy Spirit. says you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. To be a witness. In other words, to live the life and share the life. And do the life. Live, share and do the life of God. So you'll be able to live the life, share the life and the exploits that come with the life that Jesus did when he walked this earth. The word power there in Acts 1 verse 8 is the same word. uh, It's a word that means miracle power. The supernatural miracle power of God. That's what that word power means. You will receive supernatural miracle power, enablement, energy, strength it won't be your own strength. It won't be human strength. It won't be human eloquence and understanding. And so what Jesus was saying is this. When the person of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will not receive weird, supernatural, funny sort of stuff that, that only a few people at the front, when they tingle and begin to mingle, <laughs> that they begin to do stuff. <laughs> He's saying that you will receive an energy. An empowerment that is of God. That it's not humanly instigated. It's not humanly inspired. It's God instigated. It's God inspired. It's a God empowerment. And so when I talk about being naturally supernatural in church. I mean it's, a, it's an empowerment that is for every believer. For every heart. For every individual. For all of us. So that why we can live for God. We can live the life. The Christian life at times is a challenge to deal with habits and attitudes and some addictions, sometimes to deal with life. Difficulties will come our way. And so there is a power that is not of this world, but of the heart of God. It says you will receive this miracle power. It's the same power that is used when it says the disciples performed miracles, healing miracles. It's the same word that's used. Wow. The person in presence... Of the Holy Spirit coming upon the church. No wonder it says that they caught fire. So let's look at Acts chapter 2. And so we see in Acts 2, moving on then. So we see the promise. We see the purpose. We have an introduction to our reasoning of why the day of Pentecost. And Acts chapter 2, it says they were all together. They were of one accord in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, it's, there's a particular word that Luke uses. They were joined, woven, jigsawed, in harmony. There's a real power about being joined in. That's why it's good to be part of a church. Join a church, be part of a church. Um, get woven in. The word joined in harmony means jigsawed. It's, I don't know about you, but you, you know, when you're out of a jigsaw and you think there's one bit missing, you think to yourself, some people put them into charity shops, don't they? Because they think that jigsaw's no good. So they put it in a charity shop because there's one bit missing. And to be in harmony is to be jigsaw. <coughs> when it says they were together, it means that the- you are every bit of the jigsaw. You and I put in to, we make a great picture. We make the church. We make the church. That's what it means to be united, to be in harmony. It means to be in. Count me in. I'm in. I'm with. I'm part of that. I'm there. I'm in that and that was that's what it was on the day of pentecost they were in together it says that, so there was a like a sound of a, of of like a rushing mighty storm uh, a torrent a wind it says and then it seemed as if fire like tongues of fire it wasn't exactly it's like do you notice that there's a picture here it says on that day when they were together they were praying together it says there was like a violent um, rushing wind. There was a, a, a noise. There was, it's, it felt like a hurricane or like a storm. It was that sort of rush. And it says it appeared as if like fire came into the room and then went upon every individual. It's as if fire came into the whole room but went on every individual, upon everyone around the room. No, it's not a Steven Spielberg movie. It says the power and person of the Holy Spirit was coming upon all of the believers all at the same time. Then, um, When Moses, the picture here is when Moses received the Ten Commandments, the law, and he was on um, Mount Sinai, um, God revealed himself in fire and storm. A, and this is God revealing himself here. This is God turning up. And the writer is saying, this is the only way we can describe it. It sounds like, it wasn't maybe, but it sounds like, you know when somebody says, hey, when, with an Alabama accent, they talk about their house that has just been blown away, but they survived the storm, but it was like nothing else. I can't do the accent. But if you see it on uh, Sky... Sky News, and they are interviewing someone that's lived through a tornado. This was like a tornado rushing through the place. But it was the sense of God, God turning up. The presence of God was coming amongst them. Fire, this idea of fire, the burning bush. Moses had a burning bush. It's, uh, God is... Consuming fire, says the Bible. God reveals himself in fire, answers by fire. Fire is all-consuming, it's pure. And there's this idea that God is almighty, all-powerful, all-consuming, pure, amazing God. And this is the picture. And so the writer is using this experience. It's something God turned What he could say is this. God turns up that day like nothing we've ever known. And he's trying to describe the sense of the Holy Spirit turning up and coming upon them. And it says, this is amazing, that the empowering of the Spirit came upon every individual wasn't just some super Christians, not some charismatic individual personalities that say, I'm the one that leads, follow me. But this, the Holy Spirit came upon everyone, men and women, young and old, brand new and those that have been there a while, and came and settled upon every person. So what we understand is this, in the age of the Spirit, in the age of grace, the Spirit of God is not written in the law of heart of God. The love of God is not written on stone tablets, but is now written into our hearts. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come upon certain... Amazing individuals, and if you watch certain TV programs and certain Christian programs, you would only think that the Holy Spirit comes upon certain people. But the Holy Spirit comes upon all and everyone. The empowerment of God to live and be the life. Why? Because we are all disciples. We're all to live and be the people of God. And the great news is this. That the person of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Spirit, is for all, open to all, upon all. God loves all. God cares about all and treats us as all. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, God. Wow, what a church. This is why they turned. It says, these are the people that are turning the world upside down. I find that amazing. Mm. They did it against all the odds. Against the might of the Roman Empire. The machine of the Rome, 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 the Roman army. The religious police of the day. If you're a Christian in Iran... There are Islamic religious police that put people to death. The Sanhedrin did that to the early Christians. Against all the odds, they spread like fire. They had their problems. They had their troubles. They fell out with each other. Just because the Holy Spirit came upon them in power, didn't mean to say they didn't didn't dislike each other. They still disliked each other from time to time. We read the New Testament and there are divisions and infightings, but that didn't matter. The Holy Spirit was still within their hearts and lives, taking ordinary people, fallen, we're only made of clay after all, and releasing us to the world, to declare to the world the love and the amazing power of God. And so on that day, they began to speak out. The the power of God came upon them. They couldn't contain it. It welled up. It was amazing. They were overjoyed. It flowed over. They shouted it out. They skipped. They laughed. if, ever you watched, if anyone watched England play Norway last night, bit of a yawn, really, in some way. Some of the game was a bit of a yawn. But when they score a goal, you sort of jump up. You think, wow, it's great. But there was something. This is more than scoring, scoring a goal. When the, 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 the amazing release of the freedom of God came upon their lives, the power of God, only 50 days before, they were doomed, disillusioned. Here they are now delighted. What a transformation, the person and power. Because the reality of God had come into their hearts and lives. And they now really knew that this is real. Jesus is really alive. Everything that he said is true. The Holy Spirit's living within us. We can do anything. It's going to be difficult. And many of all, nearly all of those disciples lost their lives. They were martyred, many of them. But these people now stood up. When they ran away, they now stood up. They now stood up. And everyone, they went on to change the world today as we come together the same person presence and power of the holy spirit is for you and i today you know our church we're a pentecostal church oasis christian center our name we are part of the elam pentecostal church we take our name as a pentecostal church from the understanding and the reliance on the person and power of the holy spirit we are not just uh, 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 you know, being modern and lively and happy and great music. and that, All those things are great and wonderful. But the, the church, our strength, is, it, it might be in all those wonderful things, but it's in the person and presence and power of the person of the Holy Spirit. And it's for all. He is upon all, for all. He loves all and wants to empower each of our lives. <clears throat> I'll conclude with just a, a, a piece of testimony and then we're going to pray together. I was converted um, some a few years ago, some years ago now, um, from a, a Catholic background. My father being Italian, but we were nomin- I was nominal Catholic. Um, didn't go to church at all, really. But just had that understanding. If Jehovah's Witness or Mormons came to the door, my dad would close the door and say, "No, we're Catholics," and that was about as far as it sort of went, really. But that was my sort of understanding. But um, at 20 years of age, I became a Christian through the testimony of an engineer, and I was his technician. And th- this guy invited me to his church, and it happened to be a Brethren Assembly, an evangelical church in the southeast of England. And I became unresoundedly saved, converted. I repented. I said to God, I need you in my life. Forgive me for living for myself. For, will you, I trust you, Lord Jesus Christ. I want to live for God. And I, rep- I became a Christian. And um, for two or three years, I attended that church. And I began to understand and have an understanding and a love for the Bible. And the church there taught me a love for the Word of God, the Bible, the Word of God, to read it as it is. But it taught this, that the things of the Holy Spirit ceased with the apostles. In other words, we don't need to go, but it was a cessationist church. In other words, they did not believe that the Holy Spirit was for the life of a believer today. It was for the apostles. It started off the church. So the day of Pentecost started the church off like a kickstart really, and off the church goes, and I was taught that, but I had, uh, did a Bible study with a, a, a Bible-believing elder who didn't just take that tradition and that denominational understanding, and we looked at the Bible together, and as I studied the Bible, looked at Luke, looked at Acts, looked at the book of Corinthians, I began to understand that the person and power of the Holy Spirit was for today, and so I, th- I became convinced, biblically first of all, and I understood, hang on a minute, all this stuff I thought, this ain't right. As I read the Bible, read the Bible as it should be, this is what it's about. So some of our traditions are a bit dangerous, aren't they? Anyway, to cut a long story short, what happened was I'd been a Christian three years by this time. As I became convinced biblically, and I read about the day of Pentecost, and I, I wanted that empowering in my life, um, this elder of mine said to me, don't pray for an experience, seek for a closer experience relationship with the lord jesus christ so i did that and i spent about the next three or four weeks from this study just seeking to be closer to god to live a life as being a disciple and living for god i want to live for god but with this understanding of the power of the spirit one day in my bedroom um as i was just reading and praying a couple of weeks this has gone by the power of the holy spirit came into the room i can't say it was just like it was awesome Uh, There were no flashes of lightning, there was no thunder, there was no noise, but I became overwhelmed with a sense that God's here. I was overwhelmed with a sense of love, joy, but also weird mixture of fear. It was quite bizarre, but it wasn't bizarre because it's a holy God. I now realize that God came. And I was filled with a sense of power of the Holy Spirit. Two days later, I began to speak in tongues, spiritual language. On the day of Pentecost, it says that they began to speak in another language i 'd never heard of that before, and I began to and uh, I went and spoke to this elder and he said, Aha, Adrian, baptism of the holy spirit you 've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. No one prayed over me, and no one came to me, but it was in in my room as I was asking for a closer walk with God. It was a very similar experience I had to Acts chapter two. I was amazed about three months later. <laughs> I left, well, three or four months later, I left that church on good terms and looked for a Pentecostal charismatic church, a church that taught the things of the Spirit because it was then that they said, no, we can't agree with your experience, it doesn't happen. <laughs> so I said, well, it's happened to me. It's in the Bible. And I left, not on bad terms, I may add, and I've got many good friends today. And I went to an Elam Pentecostal church up the road. And a guy called Mike Bave, the pastor, took me under his wing and I used to go visiting with him. And uh, about a year later, as I went visiting and I would go visiting with him... This is an amazing story. I remember going visiting, and I would just do pastoral visits because he could just see that maybe there was a call of God in my life. I didn't know that, but he took me along with him. And we went to visit someone. And in this this is about now a year after being baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and maybe being six months in this Pentecostal church. Going visiting, we visited um, a family, and uh, they had a little girl who was having very great difficulty at school, and this family were really worried. And was, she wasn't doing very well at school, and she was like a... Um, I think junior school, struggling with studying and stuff like that. But she was an intelligent little girl, but they were really worried. And as we were sitting and my pastor was talking away, and I just would sit and listen, I was there just to observe, a word came into my head. And, and then it went like this, tell them it's dyslexia. It's, it's clear as this, tell them it's dyslexia. Anyway, I didn't say anything, so I thought, <laughs> that's a bit weird, I can't go and say that. So I went in the car on the way back, I said to my pastor, look, while we were sitting there, I felt a word. And I said, tell them it's dyslexia. So he said, well, Adrian, that could be. It could be the, the Holy Spirit speaking. You know, because we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, like a word of knowledge. Anyway, he went back and he said, look, do you think it could be dyslexia? Have you been checked out? And it was in going back a few years. I mean, nowadays, you, you can be statemented. There's a whole thing about being statemented, isn't there? And, and, um, and, and compensating for challenges in, in our lives. But at that time, it was... 20-odd years ago. It was a few years ago. It would have not, not been difficult, but wasn't looked at as quick as maybe we do now. Anyway, so he said this to them. You know where it's going to go, don't you? Cut long story short. They went and checked it out, and it was dyslexia. It was incredible. I came from a background that didn't believe in the things of the Spirit. And I tell you what, this is why I talk about being naturally super, now naturally supernatural. Because I didn't try anything. I didn't know anything. I said, do you think it's this? It was as simple as that. The power the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what marks us out today so that we can share and live and be the Christian message today, the empowerment of the Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, the person of the Holy Spirit empowered the church, empowered the church so that they could live for God, to do the exploits of God and flow in the gifts of the Spirit. And so too today, we embrace the power of the Holy Spirit, don't we? The person of the Spirit. Let's pray together. We come to a conclusion. Our well, time has come to an end. <clears throat> but we're going to offer an opportunity to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What we understand to be on that day of Pentecost, they were baptized. Jesus said, you will be baptized uh, John said you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire the Lord Jesus said wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you and you'll be my witnesses on the day of Pentecost the Holy Spirit was released in them Nicky Gumbel says it's a bit like a pilot light you've got the Holy Spirit in your lives but it's ignited and we just need that ignition in our hearts and lives the pilot light to come on and go boom as it were that we re- flow and be loosed in the gifts of the things of the Holy Spirit it's not weird and wacky it's wonderful wonderful and natural to be empowered believers. And so this morning we're going to pray for the filling of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit upon our lives. Father, we embrace all that you have for us today. We thank you that here in 2012, 2012, the day of Pentecost, we celebrate today. We're going back all those thousands of years ago, and yet you're the same today. You offer the same love. You're the same God, same power And so person, Holy Spirit, we just say you are welcome. You're not an it. You're not just a power. You're a person. But you're a person of power. And so we welcome you. And we open up our hearts to you. And Lord, we say that we need you. And for some of us, maybe the spark. We've not even got a spark. Life has dried us up. Maybe circumstance has beaten us down. For some of us, we're not sure what we've got. For others of us, the fires have dimmed a little. Oh, Lord, this morning, look upon us, we say, as we open up our hearts to you. And we say that we need you just as much today as they needed you then. Forgive us if we rely on human wisdom and understanding and ability. We want to rely on God-understanding and God-ability. And so this power is God-understanding and God-ability. And so it's that that we open up our hearts to you, Lord God, Lord Jesus, Dear Holy Spirit, we open up our hearts and lives and minds to your God-understanding and God-ability. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray that you might fill and flood and release and empower our hearts. I pray for a loosing, a freedom, so that we might be naturally supernatural people of God. There comes a flow and a flood in our hearts and our minds. If we've dried, then Lord, flow again, we pray. If the spark has dimmed, then ignite the fire. Let the flame burn. Ignite something fresh in our hearts and lives so that we might be witnesses. We might be, Lord, live and be and do the things that you do, Lord God, we pray. Not because we have to, but because there is a desire. Turn our hearts into a desire, we pray this morning, as we open up our hearts and lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.